Our God is worthy, and our God is the one who brings us through our times of difficulty and challenge. And so today, as we continue in the Romans road, as we reach Romans chapter 8, we're going to continue walking with God, walking with Jesus as we learn things about him that uh, are helpful for us in, in our lives. We've been walking this road for the last uh, several weeks now, so open your Bible if you would, if you don't have it open already, to Romans chapter 8. This chapter has so much depth. There's so much in here that is of great, great value for us, treasures for us. So today, as we spend some minutes here, we're just really going to scratch the surface of what Romans chapter 8 talks about, what it describes for us. But here we are again, another week, another seven days of dealing with all things coronavirus, COVID-19, economic uncertainty, shelter-in-place spreading, uh, really now across the country. This week, uh, if you were watching the statistics and the news, the U.S. overtook Italy and China to have the most confirmed cases of the illness. And uh, so there's significant reason why we're doing what we're doing and sheltering, and we're not here in this space. We're virtually worshiping from uh, various places. Um, Our lectionary reading for today was uh, Romans chapter 8. It was actually in the first part, verses 1 through 11. I jumped ahead because uh, this week we were uh, sharing a devotional time with a group um, connected to body and soul. Before uh, the workout, normally body and soul people circle up and have a devotion time. And, and this week, um, Wendy led our devotion, and it was in Romans 8. And I thought, well, how perfect. Uh, here we are in this chapter. Uh, but it was in these verses, uh, a bit further into the chapter from where the lectionary would have us. Uh, but I thought, you know what? These are really powerful words for what we're dealing with right now and a good, um, good meditation for us. We're going to zoom in on verse 18. If you have that in front of you, it's the first verse in the reading for today. Uh, Verse 18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So let's think about our present suffering. We have felt pain. Life is difficult. It's hard. Relationships can be really hard. They're complicated because, well, we're people. Both of us or multiple, depending on the relationship you you might have in mind already, if it's a a one-on-one or a group uh, relationship, there's, there's complications often in it. Family dynamics are sometimes difficult. We've been impacted by illness. We've suffered through sickness. We've dealt with disease. And that can be hard. That's a a pain that we've felt. There are people who are suffering chronic things. There's people whose disease or illness is more of an acute, you know, sudden onset of something significant. We have faced death of people close to us, of family, of friends, people we care about. And that makes an impact on our lives. It is painful when we lose somebody whom we love. Work can be worrisome. 
Education requires effort. Careers can be complicated. Finances can be frustrating. There's so many issues that we have to deal with in our lives that are hard. There's emotional pain and baggage. There's psychological difficulty that sometimes we face. Addictions, abuse. We've all suffered. We've all been through times of challenge and frustration and difficulty and pain. It's easy to talk about because it is so common, but we also have a present common suffering. Coronavirus and the associated COVID-19 illness is affecting so much of our current experience. So much of our lives are impacted and affected by this illness. The shelter-in-place order is now almost two weeks uh, that we've been doing this. Almost two weeks that the kids have been, uh, well, two school weeks have gone by, right? Uh, of the kids, you know, distance learning or educate everywhere or um, virtual class or whatever the, the label title is being used where you are. Um, for us, at least two weeks. I'm not sure in various other places what that looks like. But we're two weeks into being isolated, physically at least. Um, I've heard that that's a lot harder for the extroverts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's easy for introverts. We could ask one, but I'm not going to ask her to be on the screen. There's a lot of people in the house right now. That's right. There's more people in the house. So introverts aren't finding the space maybe that they often uh, might have. I don't know. Maybe you're running out of supplies. I finally went to the store yesterday. It had been 15 days since we had visited a grocery store. We had a couple of times when people brought us things. A neighbor who uh, got some ice cream for us, I shared that story already. Um, and we also had some cheese brought to us. Yesterday, actually, I went to the store. There was no butter in the store where I went. Um, and so another uh, friend brought butter to us because um, uh, she had some that she wasn't in going to require uh, anytime soon. But I broke down and went to the store, and I was, I was pretty careful and um, you know, walked through the aisles of the store that are kind of narrow, and when there would be another person, we, kinda, we, we would give each other the look like, okay, how are we going to do this um, and maintain the social distancing required? Uh, so we would kind of go over to the edge, you know, kind of as far as you can go and and quickly make the, the transition. Um, and, and at one point, my, the cart that I was using was in the way of one of those cooler uh, sections where there were doors, and um, a woman came down, and the bread was on the other side, and I was, I was kind of looking over at the bread while the cart was over there, and she wanted to get in there, so she asked, you know, in the past, I would have just moved somebody's cart if it was in the way, but now it's like, oh, that's a surface, right? I'm not sure I can touch that, and... Uh, still be healthy and bring all these things into my house. And when we get the things to the house, we still, you know, we were very careful and made sure we wiped things down and, and, and we, you know, didn't just uh, touch all the same surfaces that who knows who may have touched at the store. I never thought about that before. Never had crossed my mind that, um, that the surfaces of the cereal boxes and the cheese packages that all the different hands that have been on there, but now that's like, oh, I don't know who touched this. Better, better be very careful with it. 
So it's complicated. I actually got to have a conversation with uh, a guy that I know through, um, he's got a, a student in the, in the marching band at Melpitas High School, and so uh, his son and Gina are in the band together, and so we spent some time as, as band boosters doing things together, you know, and I recognized him at, at the store, and so I said hello. And I, had, I was wearing a baseball hat. I had my reading glasses on so I could read the ingredients on some of these packages I was picking up. Uh, and I, I was actually I was wearing a mask at the store. Um, an N19, one that actually can do something for me. Um, and so, uh, so I was not quite as recognizable as he. Uh, but we had a conversation there, and it was, it was interesting because it was one of the first in-person conversations that I've had anywhere other than um, on, in my front yard or while out walking our dogs in two weeks. It was, it was an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting experience. While at the store, I noticed that there were people who went beyond my preparation there, who had latex gloves on and were being even more careful than I was being. And as you look across, you know, kind of the culture, you'll find that some are living in fear, or at least in the discomfort of the prospect of this illness. As more and more people get infected, and we hear about people who are, who are well-known, who are famous, uh, who have kind of high-profile either jobs or, um, you know, celebrity status of, of some level, you know, it, it becomes more and more almost common, but also maybe coming closer. And as we hear about people whom we know, or friends of friends, or relatives of people we know, or whatever. Like, okay, this is, this is for real. Paul is actually connected with a, a body and soul instructor who, where does she live? In Missouri, who uh, shared via social media her experience. Because her husband has tested positive, and they're pretty convinced she's also uh, positive. And they have three kids, and so um, they're in the house. And the kids have been exposed. You can't avoid that, but their experience with it and what that looks like and going to the emergency room and, and all the, the different difficulties that it is. And so it's very real, um, and it's significant. And it's um, pervasive in our, in our experience right now. But it's not just the illness um, Many have lost jobs. Many have lost equity in accounts. It is our present suffering, but we need to remember and recognize it's not our only suffering. And it's not unique that now we're suffering and, and we haven't before. Because creation, Romans 8 tells us, was subjected to futility, to suffering. Look at verses 20 and 22 in Romans 8. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The world is broken. We just sang those words. Do you, you feel the world is broken? We do. We do feel the world is broken because we're living in this broken world. Wildfires burn, the earth quakes, storms rage, and diseases and viruses happen. 
our present suffering is part of a whole. And suffering make it, makes its impact on us. But we don't suffer in silence. There are some times where we, where we try to, right? Where we try to just grit our teeth and go through um, whatever uh, uh, pain that we're feeling. There are some pains that we feel that aren't quite as noticeable, aren't quite as visible to other people. And maybe we feel sometimes like we're, we're gritting our teeth, we're suffering alone. Nobody really knows what I'm dealing with. Nobody really knows what I'm going through. Um, and so we just have this feeling like we're, we're suffering in silence. But check this out. Paul uses the word, the same Greek root word, three times in just a short section, verses 22, 23, and 26, and the word is groan. Have you groaned? Sometimes when I get up in the morning, I find myself kind of groaning. <laughs> I guess I'm getting older. That happens. We groan, but we're not alone in that groaning. Look at verse 22. It says creation groans. Groans together. In this whole brokenness of the world, creation is groaning together because of this brokenness. All of creation is groaning. Like this pains of childbirth, when, when women are pregnant, Paula was, um, we were blessed with three kids, and, and so I remember those groans um, as it was getting close, and as she was, um, you know, the body was changing and all the things that were going on, and there was... Sorry, kids, it's not easy. Mm -mm. Sorry, moms, it was not easy for you. There's a groan, and, and it says creation is groaning in, in a way like a pregnant woman, anticipating, there's an anticipation to it, right? Um, but there's a groaning in that time where it's, where it's uncomfortable, where it's painful, and that's what creation's doing. Verse 23 tells us that we ourselves groan inwardly. So even if we, when we feel like we're gritting our teeth, where we feel like we're even suffering in silence, we're going to groan inwardly. And then if you jump to verse 26, and this is the one that, wow, what a, what a spectacular blessing this verse is. The Spirit intercedes for us with what? Groans that are too deep for words. So while there is suffering, there is this groaning happening from ourselves, groaning even inwardly, sometimes outwardly, um, creation groaning, and then the Spirit interceding for us, bringing our concerns, our difficulties, even our deep, painful places, things we can't even express, and bringing those before God with groans too deep for words. So we're not alone in our suffering. God is not unaware of our condition. God heard the groans of his people in Egypt and reached to save them. God hears us now in our groaning, in our suffering, in our difficulty, and the Spirit intercedes for us. And we're all in this together. This, in a lot of ways, is the upside of our common current condition. That, that we're recognizing that we're in this together, that people are helping one another, that neighbors are checking on each other, uh, 
just to see, hey, I'm going to the store, do you need something? Hey, are you doing okay? Hey, do you have what you need? Hey, how's it going? Just that kind of question, how's it going, can go a long way toward care, toward relationship. So while we groan, while we suffer, we're waiting. We're looking forward to the glory that will be revealed. Verse 18, going back, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's glory that will be revealed. We have hope. This isn't, this isn't forever. None of it, actually. The, the experience that we're having today isn't forever. Whatever our suffering is, isn't forever. Verse 24 says, in this hope we were saved. Faith and hope are connected. Hebrews chapter 11, that great faith chapter, kind of the hall of fame uh, of faith for us, begins by describing that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. So faith and hope are connected in this way. So by faith, we look forward to what is to come. That's what hope is. Life is here and now, and it's hard, but we are waiting for redemption. The latter part of verse 23 says that we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, it's physical. This redemption of our bodies means that the, the pain that we're feeling, the disease that we might be suffering, the, the conditions that we have to deal with, those, those things that make us groan when we get up in the morning, that is being redeemed. That is being fixed. That's being renewed. The work of Jesus is for us, and as he said on the cross, it is finished, but the world's still broken, and we're still living in it, so we wait. Verse 25 going on says, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for, with, for it with patience. Waiting can be hard. If you had to wait. We keep trying to do online grocery shopping. <laughs> Talk about waiting every day. We're not waiting for the delivery. We're waiting for a delivery time to open up so we can even place an order. That's why I went to the store yesterday. When we order something, we wait for it to be delivered. And there's that. You know you have it. You know you own it. You already bought it, but you don't have it in your hand yet. That's the kind of time we're living in. Between when the price was paid by Jesus on the cross and the full, complete deliverance of us. We're waiting. We're waiting with patience. Kind of. Waiting can feel like suffering, right? Waiting can feel strenuous and difficult. Patience is tough. Right now we're waiting for shelter in place to be over. <laughs> I'm looking forward so much to when these pews that I'm looking at are not empty. For when the echo that I hear in this room isn't so full because people are here and it sounds different right now. I'm telling you, I'm eagerly waiting for the time when we can have worship in person and we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together 
in this space. For now, we wait. We wait while we wait for life to get back to normal. We also wait for eternity. When our redemption, our salvation is fully realized, we are waiting, but we cling to this promise. The love of Christ is ours already. See, even though we're waiting for what is to come, we're waiting for what the future holds in our present time, even in our suffering, we have the love of Christ. And all things work together for good. This is verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes that doesn't feel like that's possible. How can this possibly work for good? All things? But I think that's because we often, we often zoom in on one particular thing that doesn't feel good, that doesn't seem good, that doesn't seem like it has any capacity to be good or work together for good. And that's hard. That's complicated to try to understand all that. But by faith, we have the assurance of God's promises. We can't see from God's perspective. And sometimes hindsight is helpful. I, I think there's times when we can't make sense of it that it just sure doesn't seem or feel like our present suffering and well beyond what we're dealing with with shelter in place. I'm talking about the deeper cuts, the losses, the brokenness that we've felt. How can that possibly work together for good? But there are times that even in our most difficult places, in our deepest times where we're going to, now reach out for God. Can that work for our good? Can God work for our good in times of difficulty and suffering? I, I wish we had time to explore all the ways that that might be possible or that might work. And, and maybe you felt something or suffered through something where you're just, I know a person actually who, who says, I, can't, I can believe most of the Bible, I, I have a hard time with that. And I understand. Because suffering is so hard and, and hurt can be carried for so long, and it's heavy. But the promise of Jesus through the Apostle Paul is that we are more than conquerors. Verse 37, in all these things, and there's, this verse is surrounded with things, with, with some hardships, and we'll get to those in just a moment. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're overcomers of obstacles through Jesus. We're suffering saints because of the Spirit of God. And nothing can separate us from Jesus' love. That's the, that's the takeaway today. Hang on to that. Because right now is hard. It's complicated. It's, it's so unknown and, and so weird in so many ways. It's just strange. Like this new kind of life that we're living and, and, the sh and the sheltering and the closeness and the education and the work and all the ways that this is complicating life. In all of it, take away this, that nothing can separate us from Jesus' love. Listen to verse 35 and then 38 through 39. Paul asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul faced all those things in his life. He faced the Roman Empire and persecution, and he had times of famine and and sword and all of that. He understood those, those things, that suffering. But he goes on, verses 38 and 39, and I just love these two verses because they're so fantastic. For I am sure, there's another translation that says, I am convinced. I know completely, what does he know? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of Jesus is yours today and forever. We will have trouble in this life, but God is with us today, and our eternity is secure. So we have peace and hope through trial. Our hope overflows as we live by faith, even in a time of suffering. So let's live in hope, waiting for glory, waiting for Jesus. Amen.